Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode seven of the Extra Canon podcast. Uh, today, it's unfortunately going to be a bit of a somber show. Uh, obviously, Arsenal. Arsenal didn't lose last night, but it felt like a loss, didn't it? Um, unfortunately, drew 1-1 at home to Slavia Prague. Yeah, re- really disappointing result. Uh, regardless, I'm I'm joined by by two people again. Uh, not Max Mishkin this week, despite his uh, really really good start to his podcasting career. Uh, but no, of course, first of all, the usual suspect, McIntyre Johnson. How are we doing? Uh, it's been uh, it's been a pretty shitty morning. I won't lie to you. Yeah, just <laughs> you know, disappointing afternoon. Spent a little too much time on Twitter, um, and that's got me down bad. But now I'm excited to be here, excited to move forward, and excited to hopefully demolish Sheffield United at the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and second of all, well, first I should say, yeah, that's good to hear, Mac. Uh, apart from your your shitty afternoon on Twitter, I mean, it's it's never a good afternoon when you spend it all afternoon on Twitter. But um, second of all, we've got uh, a really quite a special guest today. We've got um, oh, a site expert. <laughs> <laughs> got the site expert of uh, pain in the arsenal uh ross kennelly Hello. Uh, first of all for the for the listeners that that just don't know much about you ross even though you Which are is probably everyone let's be honest. yeah mm. uh tell us about what you sort of do and uh about pain in the arsenal a site that mac and i both write for uh i i run the site expert at the pain in the arsenal so i essentially run it take care of the socials um annoy people on twitter and spark furious <laughs> debates online. Essentially, it's pretty much it in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, so we we just thought um, it would be cool to get to get on Ross this week. I mean, it was Mac who did the negotiating, really, and then uh, <laughs> he told me that um, that Ross was going to come on, and I, I thought, yeah, great idea. Uh, unfortunately, it would have been nice if it was in better circumstances. I mean, not going to lie, like three minutes to full time, I thought it was going to be in great circumstances. Mm. Well, great might be an exaggeration. I mean, a one nil win would have been nice, but still not ideal. But we didn't win. And uh, we sort of discussed pre-show that we're not going to dwell on the match too much because what's the point? It was it was just such a bore fest. Uh, but Ross, what, what were your thoughts on, on that game last night? <sighs> There was a point where I would have actually taken nil-nil, which I think is really? shows you how bad it was because mm. I felt like if we, we're not as good at home as we are away, which is bizarre as it is. Um, I felt if we could take, if we could just not concede, I mean, it was more, 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 more on than anything. It was just not concede. If we don't concede at home, I believe we could have gone to Prague and got a score draw and been content. And then, the way we were playing and the way we were not exploiting the areas of weakness that Slavia were literally handing on a plate. They were really poor. And this is a this is this is something I find is a common feature. We, we keep playing teams that are supposed to be good when they're playing badly and we're not taking advantage of it. That that's something that I'm a bit concerned about. And then obviously, you know, Pepe comes on off what Pepe really did change the way we looked on that right hand side. He scores a great goal. <laughs> I'm going nuts and then yeah, we, we it's just it's just a rinse and repeat. Um, I, we're we're just inept in both boxes, and um, this yeah. is what is really 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 worrying for me. Yeah, I mean, I think we all feel that way a little bit. Do you have anything to add to that, Mac? 
Um, yeah, I, I just think generally it was it was really hard to watch because, as per usual, masters of our own downfall, you know? I mean, Laka, Saka, and Alba all missed sitters, not to mention there were a number of really good half chances. Um, I don't know. It was just, it got to the point where I genuinely, similar to, <laughs> to Ross, actually, I was almost hoping for the nil-nil, you know? just because my kind of a priority at home is just to not concede. I mean, that was our issue against Olympiacos last year. We beat them handily away and then, you know, even though it was a one nil, but then proceeded to concede to at home. And even though we drew on aggregate, we still lost. Um, so I, I don't know. It was just, it was a case of if we could tough out a draw, that would be awesome. You know, regroup, get some momentum against Sheffield and hopefully come back. But, it really is the type of goal that's been indicative of this Arsenal team lately. Just when everything should be going right, it continues to go wrong. Um, genuinely just painful. Yeah, I don't know. I think very, very frustrating for me personally, but more, more for the fan base. Um, it's kind of, it, it's to the point where we do need to see something starting to change or starting to kind of waver because, you know, it's what, a year on? I think it's to the point where growing pains should start to really be excised. And yes, we do need squad mm-hmm. development, but at the same time, you know, working with what we have is a method that has not been successful and that's worrying. Yeah. And uh, I think that that really does um, sort of lead us on to more, more general discussion about Arteta, but I'm going to save that for a bit, bit later in the show. Um, first of all, I just want to have a quick chat about sort of the style of football we played yesterday. I mean, at times it was baffling to me. Like our press was so half-hearted, um, and we were so slow in the build-up. And I saw Ross. You, I think you tweeted earlier today, or perhaps after the game, you tweeted about yeah. how we um, we don't we we keep we're we're sort of preferring to to play this this system where we've got technical players uh, sort of in behind a striker rather than just getting goal scorers on the pitch. Um, like, what's going on, Ross? Like, why are we doing this? Why, why are we shooting ourselves in the foot every game? And why not play a couple of creators and then have a few goal scorers? Like yesterday, we seriously we had one goal scorer on the pitch, and you saw the chance he missed. I mean, can you can you call him a goal scorer? Mm, mm. I there's there's an inconsistency which you know as a manager, your first your first job really is to find your best team, mm. and. He, I know there's been injuries and there's all sorts of things going on, but Arteta still doesn't know his best team. And you're playing, sometimes we're playing three sort of connectors. We're playing like an Smith Rowe and an Odegaard and a Saka with one forward. So sometimes we're playing sort of three forwards, a Pepe and an Aubameyang and a Lacazette um, with one connector. And I don't think he quite knows what he actually wants to do. Hmm. And that is the thing. Yeah, he wants to play, in a, in a, he plays for efficiency. It's almost like playing the odds in a way. Um, but then what you do is if you're playing like if you're playing sort of three connectors, you're playing a, you're playing a striker, you're probably going to get and this has been the case fewer chances, but perhaps of better quality. I personally believe that you should be you play you play the right team, you play the more you play the guys who will score goals, you play your Martinelli's, you play your, your Pepe's, and you will create more chances, perhaps not of equal quality but you will have more chances. And like the misses we have, you know, you look at the Lacazette one, it's obviously, it's a dreadful miss. That wouldn't be as thrust into the limelight if we had created more chances. Yeah. And this is the thing. I think it's, there's so much, it's so much built on technical security and 
keeping the ball in these in the sort of the right areas, but then it is limiting other other areas of the pitch. And I I, I still don't think there is that balance. I mean, like I you know, Aubameyang's played centre forward nine times. He scored seven goals, something something along those lines. Wow, yeah. And then you and then and then you put in Lacazette, who you know he, he, he he's running through treacle, you know, and yeah. and he's not even in the box anyway. I think. I think it's very clear what he wants to do, and you can see, particularly in the, in the attacking formation, we play as attacking diamonds. So you've got, you know, it's black as at the top, thingy on the left, thingy on the right, whatever, and that fluctuates on the team. But yesterday, William and Smith Rowe were treading on each other's toes. Yeah, you know, black as it was dropping into this number ten spot to take away any number ten duties from the pair, and I still think there is a an issue with because we've got stability. You got you got uh, party. You got Jacker, you got that stability, but I think in terms of the front four, he hasn't found the right personnel to do the job that he wants. Um, yeah, and I think that's the main issue. Yeah, and you know, Smith Rowe is almost the opposite of Erdegaard in that sense, isn't he? Because he he likes mm. to drift to the left, um, and that was problematic yesterday. You're completely right because Willi- that Willian and Smith Rowe like to play in that same left half space. Um, mm-hmm. Which is, you know, it, and as well, when you were talking then, it, it just made me sort of realise that, that sometimes it almost feels like Arteta, like, um, or, or the team strive to, to control the game rather than actually score goals. Um, and mm-hmm. that, that that's really worrying. Um, Mac, what, what did you think of the attacking, in inverted commas, uh, display yesterday? Well... Honestly, first of all, I'm going to start off by rare one on this pod, but disagreeing with both of you. Um, <laughs> I think when I, I I wrote the player ratings for a pain in the Arsenal yesterday, and one of the things I pointed out was the fact that the tactical system almost looked like a four three three more than a four two three one. It you did, know? yeah. Our, our possession, it definitely did, yeah. yeah. Absolutely, and Willian especially was dropping into kind of this left central midfield half space smith row was playing more on the wing and i think it was clever in part to protect cedric's kind of incapability to attack from left back although he did a good job yesterday uh for the most part but mm-hmm. you know i think he arteta was trying to protect our left flank um and people forget that smith row off of that left wing you know drove into good spaces three four five times only to find no one in the box mm-hmm. um you know, if Willian had made that late run, he would have gotten two easy goal scoring chances. If, and obviously Partey and Xhaka are both much more effective outside of the box. This is one of those games where he could have used someone like an Aaron Ramsey, you know, someone who will make that run into a goal scoring position. And this is not me advocating for us to sign him again. That's been proposed. And I think it's an <laughs> awful idea. But at the same time, like, it's just where it's every single thing we do is one step away from being successful and it's that final ball it's that final touch um you know we have the build-up done almost down pat but when it comes to playing that one decisive moment into the box to the player that's there there's no one there i mean how many crosses did Saka just lump over everyone yesterday because he had no one to aim for and was kind of hitting and hoping like i, I don't know it's just with that kind of four three three with the false nine, it's just a weird setup. Willian's not meant to be a number eight. Um, frankly, I don't know. I would have loved to see Pepe start on the left wing, um, especially with Cedric, because 
that combination when Pepe was in really good form when he scored his just his wonder goal against Wolves and all of that. He was playing kind of off that left wing, stretching mm-hmm. the touchline and also creating chances, creating goals, which is not what we saw from Willian yesterday. I don't know. Yeah, that would have uh, mirrored the the front sort of four that we saw against Southampton when we beat them 3-1. Mm-hmm. And I actually thought that worked really well that night with uh, Pepe on the left. But we've, we've completely moved away from that since. Uh, and then we sort of found that that balancing act with um, with Aubameyang up top and then having Saka, uh, Smith-Rowe and Erdegaard in behind. Like... Yeah, I, I just, you, Ross, you, you you make a really good point. It's just difficult to to like say for for certain what Mikel Arteta wants, um, and we know long term what he wants is the four three three. So per- perhaps that's that's why um, he's struggling with the the four two three one. Maybe it's not a system that he understands that well, but still, he has he has a uh, style. You know, he, he I do see there is a style. It's a very clear vision yeah. he has. It's just. And okay, it comes down to personnel, you know. Obviously, yeah, he hasn't got the players he wants, and you know we can't disagree that's not the case. But I think, I do think he's overcomplicating it in certain situations, and I think it's a case of sticking to his guns when you know actually maybe for the, for this, it's funny because he's a horses for courses manager. You know, you play the certain centre halves for certain games, chop and change that. But then mm. you know, Slavia Prague are playing at such a high line. You know, you 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 need to have the runners beyond. There weren't enough of them. You, you don't play you don't play Lacazette and Willian for that reason in my mind. You don't play both of them because neither of them are going to make that run. Um, no. And then I, I, it's, it's funny actually. I, I thought he would put a left footer on the left wing because he's got that thing. He's, he loves to play a right footer and a le- like inverted on on the either flank. And he didn't, which I thought was really interesting. You know, we had Smith Rowe on and Cedric. I don't know. I mean, the, the plan was there. I think it was. It was. Yeah, yeah. Well, the plan is always there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, you could see a plan, a plan against um, and Liverpool, couldn't you? You could see that the plan was to get Aubameyang in behind Trent and uh, Nat Phillips, mm. and uh, have Party play it in behind. But you know, it just wasn't executed, was it? Uh, which is poor. Um, and then I, I guess I was going to talk about this a bit later, but I think that actually brings it in quite nicely now. Mac, on Twitter, of course, the, the outrage has been, you know, outrageous. Um, it, we, we've seen so much criticism after the game. Amazingly, we're still and, in this tie, by the way. Incredible, isn't it? Yeah, you, we you are. You wouldn't think so. We are. It's 1-1. One, one. Um, so, but everyone's sort of gone in at Arteta. Well, the Arteta outers anyway. Um, we need to find a balancing act between blaming the manager and blaming the team. Where do you stand on on that one with, with this game? Uh, with this game particularly, I think it's... Or just, just in general, yeah. actually. Yeah. Um, in recent weeks. In recent weeks, I think I've been much more inclined to blame the players. I think against Liverpool especially, there was just a lack of desire. I don't know, that's kind of like the classic commentator's, you know, mm. blasé line. But like, we just didn't yeah. want it. Like genuinely, it looked. We looked unmotivated. We looked sloppy. Um, players looked like they didn't want to be playing this game, uh, and I think that turned around in this tie. You know, there was genuine desire, genuine hunger. I mean, I think Rob Holding literally be, just became Maldini for a day. He had <laughs> in, with the passes he was playing and his defensive awareness. 
genuinely, it's just there was a lot of intrinsic motivation in this side. And of course, we didn't finish the chances, which is obviously not Arteta's fault, you know, because this system did create chances. I think our XG was, what, 2.9? That's damn good, you know, for the chances we created. And I think it's up to the players to finish them. Mm. Um, One thing I will blame Arteta for, though, is pretty much everything that happened after we scored. Um, you know, kind of immediately introducing those substitutions, which we'll get onto later. I know Ross has a very passionate point about them. But um, I think, you know, there's some aspect of game management that has to fall to the manager. And it's been noticeably poor in recent months, especially. Um, yeah, I just think it's, you know, th- there's a, there's enough of the game that falls to the personnel on the pitch and the job that they can do. And if they're doing a good job, I would just question, why change it? Yeah, especially with like five minutes to play as well. Like, Ross, I'm actually going to pass it over to you. That, that, that late substitution you were talking mm-hmm. about it before we started recording with Ceballos and, and just in yeah. general, the substitutions. Like, what was going on in Mikel Arteta's head last night in that regard? <laughs> I'm not going to blame this solely on Arteta because everybody does it really. Uh, it's 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 generally common practice among most managers, but it's just I I do not understand the reason behind removing the player who was pressing the highest, pressing the the most vigorously, and actually disrupting their back line as as much as Emerson throw to take him off with three minutes to play, you know, maybe save his legs or what have you, and then put us a bias on it is. The first rule when you go ahead and you're defending your lead mm. is to keep the ball. Keep the ball. And if and if the opposition are going to have the ball, make sure you limit the, limit them to having it in the areas where they can't cause danger. That's what Smith Rowe was doing. The whole team was, but you know, he was very he was very he was still going, he was still plugging away, he was still pressing high. And then you bring Sabios on, and we, you know, we all we all know what he's like, and he can be very rash. And I, I he did a couple of things wrong, but he wasn't especially dreadful when he came on. It's just the whole dynamic changes when you make that change. The team had got the the win at that point. They'd got the they got the goal. They had control. Mm. You shouldn't then invite the opposition because I mean, Slavia Prague were really bad. They were they were shit. Like I, they, I was really surprised how mm. bad they were. Um, and we had them where we wanted to. You see how they get. Look, I, I wrote this today, but like game management, it falls on both of them. I think Arteta sets the tone. When he does that, how you cannot excuse Cedric for, for I don't even know what he was thinking. It just suddenly to, to, he's got all the space in front of him. He can he can hoof it as 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 Jacques very well told him, and it's decision to then ping a ball back to Gabriel. It's just it, it, it falls on everyone's shoulders. It does. Um, there's obviously a men- there's a mentality issue in there that we haven't overcome for a long time. I mean, I, I told Mac this yesterday. This is the worst Arsenal team I can remember for for holding on to yeah. it. I really can't. I can't remember a worse side <laughs> for holding on to a lead than this one. Oh, you, well, um, you think about that. I do think uh, it's inviting. I think. I think. The sh- I think the blame has to be you think shared. About that North London derby, don't you? The last ten minutes of that, dreadful. Yeah, we got there ten yeah. men. <laughs> yeah, goodness. Yeah, on that. It, it, yeah, it, it's a, it's a gripe of mine. Totally yeah, fair. Well, I was I was going to say on that note as well. Especially ironic that it is Cedric because. You know, in his early days of his Arsenal career, he was very much criticized for often not playing with the ball at his feet and just kind of hoofing it long, you know, <laughs> blasting a clearance yeah. out when he might not have needed to. 
it was not only a stupid action, it was very un-Cedric-like action. And it's just, it, it beggars belief to an extent, but go for it, Rob. Yeah, well, it's quite funny that you mentioned Cedric hoofing it because he still did do that yesterday. <laughs> there was one point, I uh, can't remember if it was first half or second half, but he just smashed it up. I remember it was first yeah, half, yeah. Smashed yeah. it up the pitch. And as I said before yeah. we start recording, I was um, watching the game with two mates and we just started laughing. I mean, what, what else can you do when Cedric does something like that? Um, but yeah, overall... Um, I think we can just all agree that Arsenal aren't very good at defending a lead. Um, but that, that bringing on Tobias, I think it just also, it, it's an indicator from the manager, you know, like, oh, it, it's time to sit in now. We're bringing on a, a player who can supposedly keep the ball uh, and it doesn't send the right message. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's something that he should really look to address in the future. Um, now, I don't want to do too much speculation here, but... I don't know about you guys, but I feel like there's been a mood change in the camp in recent weeks and not just caused by sort of um, the results, but it's, something's happened behind the scenes. I I, I, could, I just feel it. I, I, I don't know what it is, but I'm seeing resemblance to like the, that, that period prior to, to Christmas and just something isn't right. Do you guys have any, any thoughts on that? Uh, free Mustafi is what I'd say. <laughs> he was total scapegoat. Never, never at fault, was he? <laughs> uh, give the guy a break you know um wasn't this what we we're supposed to fix in january yeah. wasn't this the plan you know we, we got out this little troop of you know mustafi and ozil and class and actually whatnot wasn't that supposed to fix this i don't know i mean it, it, it is it is speculation isn't it but i mean i don't think the results help no, absolutely not. <laughs> um and i don't think the the the, the criticism from everywhere you know, whether it's the fans or the pundits. Although, of course, players should be able to take this, I know. But I think there's also a realisation of just how bad this is. I think I think that could be playing on the minds. Because, I mean, they, they, know, they know as well as we all do that the league's gone. You know, it's a miracle if we get top six, even if we've got a you know, really, really favourable run-in. And it's all on this game. It's all on this this, this now, this next game. And I think I think maybe that could be seeping into them. Because yeah. it is a lot of pressure. Oh, and yeah. I think it's... On the topic of that pressure, though, the, the funny thing is this Arsenal team was known in its first six months under Arteta for performing incredibly well under pressure. I mean, mm. you know, <laughs> exactly. consider the fact that in the span of two weeks, we beat Liverpool, Manchester City and Chelsea in games that mattered and then lost to Aston Villa in a game that entirely didn't. You know, it's just mm. and that was Project Restart. And this is now. That was the stupidest sentence I think I've ever said. But um, at you know, at the same time, like <laughs> it's just it's a rough place to be. Um, but I think you know, is there a chance potentially that there are some players losing faith? Um, I think we saw this happen with Emery a little bit. I know vocally, all of the players are backing Arteta, but I don't, I don't know if that's still the case. I think also. Um, we do have a lot of leadership that's kind of been out of the squad recently. You know, David Luiz isn't training. Kieran Tierney isn't training, I think. And having Xhaka back really helped. But just generally, there was a lack of communication and a lack of leadership yesterday. You know, just when things did can get kind of unstructured. Um, and I think, Ross, you may have pointed this out on Twitter. Granted, Xhaka's whole, you know, yell of, well, just can clear the ball, right? Like, just get it out. 
would have been significantly more helpful at the time rather than after yeah. we've conceded, right? Like, <laughs> you know, he, he really was our only source of kind of vocal leadership and as great as it was having him back, there's just a lack of cohesion that I do think stems from not having leaders on the pitch. Um, and as great as Rob Holding was yesterday, I now have a greater sense of why Arteta does rely so heavily on David Luiz when he's healthy, when he's fit. Um, and I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with his contract this summer. Yeah, I was, I was about to ask you that, Mac. Does um, I think we've both sort of said that we're on the fence with that one. Does the recent games sort of change your stance, perhaps, on the on the contract situation? Not necessarily. I think I would love to sign him on a per Murdersacker type of role. You know, potentially mm. have him at the club for longer mm. than just this season. You know, have this next season maybe be kind of his last playing. And then shift him to maybe like a player slash manager of the Unite Teens or, you know, backroom role, if he'd be willing to do that, of course. Um, mm. But yeah, I just think, you know, his experience is invaluable. This club, you know, loves him and trusts him. Um, and I think as much as I questioned the signing in its initial days, even if his on-pitch presence would fade, which it kind of hasn't. Um, in fact, I think he's gotten better <laughs> throughout his time in North London. Yeah. Um, you know, even if it did fade, I think there's, he has a lot of trusted leadership at this club. He has a lot of, you know, brownie points built up as it were. So I think keeping him might genuinely be a bit of a priority if we can sign him on slightly lower wages. Cause he's kind of expensive right now and we don't need that for him, but yeah. Ross, what are your thoughts on Louise? Uh, I'm torn whether he actually wants to. Really? That's what we, the, the best we're going to offer him is he is a one year contract. Um, it's already been reported that he's going to take obviously another wage cut on top of what he took last year. Um, I feel we know he wants to go to Benfica. It's quite largely largely publicised. He wants to go back to Portugal or whatever, what have you. Um, he'll feel he deserves two years. I think. I think he'll he'll feel he can get a two year contract somewhere yeah. for good money. Um, and I'm, you know, Arsenal, Arsenal are never going to offer him that. I wouldn't put it past them. Um, and I'm, 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 I'm now this with this injury, he may, he may feel, oh, you know, I may I can just go two years somewhere else, two years in Benfica, you know, play out my my career there, blah blah blah. Um, I mean, it could well be that he signs another year, he he, he does another year, then he gets, still gets a two year deal somewhere else. Um, I'm just, I'm a bit torn whether he actually wants to stay. Uh, I, I, I would. I would sign him down. I would. I would put him down for another year, um, just because we haven't got anyone better, anyone, anyone who can do the job he does. Um, mm. But I'm not so sure if he actually wants to. I'm a bit on the fence on that now. Yeah, and I think another sort of area for discussion with that one is that everyone's sort of saying, okay, so we'll bring in Saliba next season to replace him. But uh, I really like Gabriel and I thought he was really good last night, but I think he's much better when he's got a bit of experience next to him, someone who can talk him through. And I noticed with Gabriel actually that around the, I don't know, 70 minute mark, he gets very erratic. He um, does, yeah. And perhaps he just needs that sort of level head next to him to calm him down. And I don't even know if Louise is the right man for that, but I, I, Daniel actually uh, quoted me in a tweet about uh, Jerome Boateng leaving leaving Bayern uh, at the <laughs> end of this season on a free contract. W would you consider a, a move like that, Ross? 
no, I, I wouldn't. Not 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 boating. Um, I think it'll be six of one and a half a dozen of the other if we get him. Yeah. Um, um, I, look, our best partnership right now is Gabriel and Louise. It is. It's as mm. terrible as it is. That is our best partnership. I don't think Gabriel works with holding as well. I actually think holding is better with Murray. Um, mm. I think we had that spell, you know, after Christmas um, when we won three on the bounce and it was them two playing together. I, I think actually they're a bit more suited to each other. Um, no, I, I, I honestly, I, I really want to have a good look at Dinos. I, I think he's doing, he's pulling up trees uh, in Germany and I would, I would really, I really think the club should have a good look at him during the, um, during the preseason and see what they see. What, I mean, I, he will get money. That's the thing. He, he is an asset. He's on a long contract. He will he will get his money, but I think it's worth having a look at him because mm. he's he's doing well. Yeah, he's tall. Yeah, he's a he, he's 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 a ball playing centre half. I think very two footed, very two footed as well. Um, I think that's something we should look at. I still think Saliba has to be in the team for me when he comes back. But then again, you say, oh well, would Saliba work better with someone like Louise? You know, helping yeah, you through it. Possible, yeah. And I think Luis speaks French as well, which I think helps. Um, no, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. We, we've got so many centre halves, and not many good ones. That's them. Um, yeah. But I, I'm Jerome Boateng. Jerome Boateng. I'm not so sure on personally. Uh, it's not not for me. Um, I think we're better off getting if we are going to get another centre back. It has to be a right side centre back. It has to be an experienced centre back. But I don't think it should be that experienced. If you know. What I mean. Yeah, I'm in the same. Yeah, I'm in the same boat, Russ. Yeah, I was about to ask you, Mac. Well, what's your sort of overview? And just before that, I agreed, Mac. I've never really been a massive fan of Jerome Boateng, and I wouldn't really want him at Arsenal. But you can go we have ahead, Nicolas Mac. Sewell? Oh, can we have Nicolas? Oh Sewell? yeah, we'll take him. He just he, he just eats people. He, he, man, he man eats defenses. He's massive. Uh, yeah, I'll take him. He yeah, I my one concern about Nicolas Sewell is that he does look as if he's just come off like a twenty-four hour McDonald's session, like. This man, Big time. you know, <laughs> as, as good of shape as he has to be in to play for Bayern, he has a gut on him. But um, no, I think just generally, though, a lot of people are Teta out. I am hashtag stopgap out. I'm sick of it. I don't want any more of them. Yeah. I'm sick of aging center backs and aging defenders who are brought in for experience and then drag the team down. Um, I'm, you know, I'm done with it. I think if Boateng were a leveler head, you know, He's very prone to a mistake. He's very prone to a red card. And he's never played in England before. Um, you know. He played at City. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's actually a very good I think they played him at right back, didn't they? Or left back? They played him at left back? I think yeah, I think say. they played him at left back think, for a uh, half a season and then sold him yeah. because he wasn't good enough. Yeah, like, if that's. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that was before he was the world-class defender, formerly, that he is now. Mm-hmm. I mean... I think the best of Boateng was Germany 2014 and his partnership with Mats Hummels. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if we had signed him then, it would have been cool. But, you know, not anymore. Uh, Yeah, I think, I don't know. The issue is we do have a lot of center backs. We do have a lot of young center backs, you know. Um, And I'm not sure whether the solution is, and the solution obviously isn't to try a back three again. But, you know. What happens to then Callum Chambers? What happens to, say, Rob Holding or Pablo Mari? You know, if we have Gabriel, who's a starter, and Dinos, who could be a starter, and Saliba, who's a starter, and David Luiz, who you need for experience, and it's just, and Mustafi coming back from loan, God, please sell him, finally, you know? <laughs> no, I think he's gone, isn't he? He is oh, gone. Oh, he did, yeah. did we fully yeah. sell him? 
Yeah, we just got rid of him. Class Lynch is coming back. True, true, true. True say. Yeah. The other Schalke reject. I mean, they're really lighting it up, aren't they? They just... God, they were meant to turn that team around, and oh boy. Yeah. And now their center off is playing for Liverpool. In Champions League football, there yeah, you go. Exactly, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. Mustafi, I, I, I'm sorry, I have to, I have to mention this because it's just, it, 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 I find it utterly brilliant and baffling. Is that Mustafi cannot get into the worst team in Germany by a considerable margin? It is absolutely hilarious. He's been dropped from the shittest team in Germany, one of the worst Bundesliga teams ever. Well, do you know why? And we tried to give him a new contract in October. Do you know why he's been How dropped? There? There's a story behind this, actually. Do you know why he's been dropped? It's why hilarious. Why? Well, did he want to, he want to, um, to, to try to do a coup, stage a coup, weren't they? Yeah, he and Kolasinac attempted to, together, mm. stage a coup to, like, overthrow the manager and get someone new in because he was shit. <laughs> he was it, it there was for, like, hilarious. a week. Yeah, that's all it took. <laughs> Um, but also, and just to touch on Schalke, I'm I'm curious, man, why in terms of running a good club, I understand that they may have been hit by COVID or whatever, but why sell your two best players in the span of six months? Ozan Kabak's now at Liverpool. Weston McKinney has gone to Juventus for, you know, mm. peasant points just for... It wasn't a lot, was it? It was like 15 million something? Uh, I think it was... I think it was what a ten million loan with another twenty five as the option to buy to make it thirty five. Peanuts. This, this kid's a, th- yeah, That's nothing. Awful right? business. Like, exactly, and you know, uh, I mean, Harit is a fantastic player, but his form is unsustainable. Um, it's just they are in a terrible place as a club, and so they've decided, of course, to bring in two of the most inconsistent players in top flight football, <laughs> who have then decided to stage a coup. Um, you know, I'm hoping Kolasinac has learned his lesson and doesn't try to come back and do that with Arteta because I think he will get thrown out on his ass. Frankly, I think he should be anyway. But he's yeah, not going to play know. for Arsenal again. No way. God, please no. I mean, especially after what we've seen with Kieran Tierney this year and how key we know the left back position is, returning to Kolasinac, mm, no chance, no chance. So I, I'll, I'll ask you this: Would you have him now because we don't have a left no. back? Uh, no, I'd rather play Cedric. I'd rather play Saka. <laughs> I'd, I'd rather play Xhaka at left back than Said Kolasinac. Oh, God. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. Yeah. No, I, 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 I do agree. He was just a disaster. Do you remember his debut? Do you remember his debut season when he actually, he was like a bulldozer? He really was, wasn't he? And, and yeah, he, he was actually, I was actually encouraged. Like he was just smashing through people. Like that, that scene where that was Mr. Incredible runs through all those office buildings and he just smashes through them one by one. <laughs> it was like that. And I felt like, oh, this is actually we've got a player. He's, he's a bruiser, and he's, he's scored in his debut in the in the community yeah, shield. And it just it just tailed off like hell from there. Yeah, goodness me. I mean, the man can't pass a ball. I mean, it's quite an important part of being a left back. Cross a ball, pass a ball. He couldn't do. You no, know, he plays holding midfield for Schalke though. <laughs> yeah, I know it's brilliant, isn't it? God. Yeah, I feel like mess. The funny thing is, when he played for Schalke originally as well, like they figured out halfway through his All Star season that he couldn't defend. Um, and so mm. they started playing a three back and played him at left mid and he was absolutely incredible, but like, yeah, he can't defend and he can't pass, but what he can do is run really, really fast around one or two players and like slide it low into the box. He's a one trick pony. Yeah. It's very, very funny. Why do we always win the worst transfer battles? Oh. Uh. Because, like, Man City were after him, weren't they? Him, yeah. it was, I think Chelsea were after Everybody wanted him. Why do we always win the shit ones? Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we're in for this guy, someone else pinched him. We're in for this guy, someone else pinched him. We're in for, we're in for Canate, Liverpool get him. We're in for Klasnash, oh, we get him. 
Yeah. Mm. I mean, look, it was a great. I was a signing I was totally for, but I mean, we always seem to miss out on that, don't we? Yeah. I mean, we did we did get him on a free, to be fair, but on a Bosman, yeah. I'd be fine with him leaving on a free, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Has he got a year left? Sorry, has he got a year left when he comes back? Yeah, I think so. Uh, Does, yeah. yeah, yeah, I think so. Well, that was the part of the show where we uh, sort of portrayed to you that there are clubs worse off than Arsenal at the moment. Um, <laughs> but anyway, actually, before... Well, we've still got a little while, but um, before we sort of draw this to a close, I thought it would be nice to end on a positive. Let's Balogun. Balogun is actually going to stay. Uh, the Athletic sort of reported after everyone else, but, you know, they're reliable. David Ornstein came out and said that he's signing a new long-term deal. Mac, how happy are you about that news? Um, I'm happy for a number of reasons. First of all, I think it was, what, four years was the rumored deal, which is huge. Yeah, um, I was kind of worried that it would be like a two-year get-into-the-first-team-or-else extension, but mm. this is, you know, it's seeming like a, a long-term future. Um, and report by every report that I've seen, including Orny's, Arteta convinced him, which mm. I think is huge. Um, but, you know, it's it speaks volumes. I also think it's important because it means we have to sell because we don't want four strikers on our wage books, you know, four strikers, hopefully competing for starting time. Uh, and the question is, who do we sell? I think obviously not Alba. We've just tied him down. I mean, if we could sell him, that would be great. But, you know, at the same time, he's here. He's here to stay. He's the club captain um, and he's what, 32. So we're not going to get money for him. Um, I don't know. I think Lacazette could go in Ketia probably should go um as much as i love eddie balagun is what two years younger and arguably a better striker he's better in hold-up play he's more physical um and he's got a seriously wicked finish on him i think he's been our like u23's player of the month i follow the academy on instagram and he just routinely scores worldies just casually out of pocket um no i'm very excited to have him extend with the team i think he's He's a really bright player. What we've seen of him in the Europa League this year, I think he's he literally has the best like goals per minute ratio in almost in world soccer at this point because he's what played three games all off the bench and scored in two or three of them. It's yeah. ludicrous. Yeah. And that's like, you know, 30 minutes of a cameo with two goals. That's not sustainable, obviously, but it's also just great. That's yeah, exciting, isn't it? And I don't know about you, Ross, but it, it, it did come as a bit of a shock to me. I was pretty convinced that he was off. I was sold on the idea he was going. To be honest, I was completely sold on it. Um, I thought, I thought, uh, yeah, I thought, I thought he was gone. I thought, I mean, by, I think by, he turned on, he turned down by Leverkusen. I've seen yeah. today, um, which is a very sort of move for a sort of English player, isn't it? Like, but Damari Gray went there, didn't he, the other day? Um, um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I am very happy he signed. I think he's got a great future. Um, it, I, for me, it means Eddie and Gay's gone. I think Eddie's certainly gone. I think Lack is definitely gone. Um. My only problem is it's still not the kind of striker we need, <laughs> which is which is I I, I think he, he, as a hold up player as he's, he's moving in the box recently he's been excellent but he's still not the tall target right. manny type striker that yeah. we that we need someone someone who's got the aerial ability he's only five foot eight I think, um, I mean as, as a direct Enketi replacement, spawn I mean like, I I love Eddie and I really I still I still kind of believe in him I really do but I think he's got to go. He should have gone. He should have gone in January. If I'm honest, I don't know why we didn't loan him out. It was a stupid decision. Um, 
But no, I'm pleased. I, I genuinely thought he was gone. I was, I was, my heart, my heart. I, I, I'd forgotten about him, if I'm honest. Like, I kind of just resigned myself to him leaving. So the fact that he is staying on a four-year deal, 2025, um, Arteta's convinced him of the, of his pathway. I don't think he really needed much convincing. <laughs> I think yeah. it was pretty clear. I think it was pretty clear cut. I mean, Lacazette's got a year left. Hey, Nketi's got a year left. Nketi's not playing. Lacazette will, will make his money. Shouldn't have been much convincing, but I mean, it's worked and he's staying. So, I mean, happy days. It's it's something, oh, very conveniently placed after we'd lost that, after we drew last night, isn't it? As well, yeah, um, very convenient. Um, no, I'm happy. I'm, I am happy. I think it's a really good move, and I think it's about something about time we had something positive. Well, yeah, and Abamyang's 32 as well, so he'll be mm. done in a few years. Yeah, and that pathway, you're right, Ross, it, it's obvious. Mm. Um, and I think you're right about Enkesia considering they. Are represented by the same agent um yeah. i reckon arsenal probably told his agency mm-hmm. you know we're going to sell enketia this summer so there is a space for balogun and what that's an good. awkward meeting that was in the in the in the, in the boardroom can you imagine that yeah, sat down with both of them going, so sorry about this guys but one of you's leaving yeah i can imagine that's a bit awkward. <laughs> yeah yeah um right well i think we've covered pretty much everything that we agreed to cover at the start of the show is there any more that you mac or, or ross want to cover today well i mean i uh, reckon we should do a sheffield united preview assuming we don't have a oh, pod yeah. going up for that yeah of course and then of course our spotlight tradition but anything from you ross i think the, i think the party is it, I, I could go on a long time about thomas party because i think the, the discussion around him is quite interesting oh yeah at the moment because you know i mean he, he misplaced he passes Everyone's hounding him down, and I think, and rightly so, he's he's not done job. He's more Diaby than Vieira at the moment. But then, at the same time, he's mm-hmm. what he's doing. What he's and I, I was just about to do something. Um, I think Diego Simeone was very right. <laughs> I think he is a defensive midfielder. End of the day, I mean, he he came to Arsenal with the hope of you know being a bit more expansive, being able to carry the ball, and he and he can carry the ball very well. But he doesn't have what is needed in that final action. Um, well, at least, yeah. at least we haven't seen it yet. Um, so I, I just think I, I would I would ask people to be a bit more patient because you take him out of that team, the tackles, the interceptions, for all that kind of stuff, the breaking of play, the positional awareness, he's he's exactly what we need. Um, I think the, the the rest of it will come. So I'm, I'm that, I just want I, I had to say something on Thomas Party because I love the guy, um, but it's just not there yet. Yeah, I would agree. I think you're right. He's a defensive midfielder with a bit more to him. Hmm. So he can sort of carry the ball, but it's not what he specialises in. Uh, and yeah, I, that, you're right. That is something of a sensitive topic at the moment. Something that Arsenal fans don't really want to talk about because, you know, it is a bit scary when your your star signing delivers a bad performance. But no, I, I've, I've still got a lot of faith in him. He's the best sort of holding midfielder we've had at this club for a very long time. And uh, yeah, I, I think he's going to have a really good uh, time at the club. Uh, anything to add on that, Mac? Well, I mean, watching him play last night, there were two moments I'd like to point out. Um, the first was he, you know, performs a very, very neat little chipped tackle, uh, beats a player, you know, spins it off to Bellerin, who plays it back inside, and he tries to, like, heel flick scorpion kick it to Saka, <laughs> turns it over, whatever, right? Good passage of play, ends poorly. About five minutes later, he again wins the ball in the defensive third, dribbles about 60% of the pitch, beats four players, comes under defensive pressure, has three wide open passing options, and plays it vertically backwards. To I remember that team. one. That, that, was like, the, that was the killer. That <laughs> that one was a shocker. Yeah. It's just like, 
you know, so much of what he does is incredible, especially when it comes to those transition moments. But often when he gets into those kind of tighter spaces where you do need something a little bit more composed, something that you would get from a Martin Odegaard or an Emile Smith-Rowe, he almost tries to be kind of too cute or too clever with it. He overthinks it. Um, and I think, you know, part of that is because I, I almost think it's new territory for him. I, I, I like imagine him as a little kid, like, oh my gosh, I'm here now. Like, this is so cool. <laughs> I've never been up here before. I'm so used to sitting back. Wait, what do I do now? Like, what's going on? I'm so confused. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, in good news, he kept a shot on the ground. He didn't hit it into Rosette. Mm. He didn't. He didn't hit it all the way up. Yeah, no. So I think. I mean, next up, he's dedicating the you know a banger to a fan. Although, I'm not sure if you've watched any of the Arsenal training footage recently. He scores worldies on a daily. How basis. long are they there though? And just how long are they there filming? That's what I want to know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. I is, think is it a set uh, camera? Yeah. And and you've also <laughs> got to remember that these are professional footballers. They're all capable of scoring worldies. Oh, exactly. And, mm-hmm when uh when they're not being under pressure or you know when the cameras aren't running they can all do it oh lord well yeah i think that's my two cents on thomas party he's a very important player i think he and jaka unlock the best of each other certainly you know um they cover for each other's deficiencies and they're very good at doing what the other person can't um and i think if and when we do replace granite jaka having someone who works with party is going to be beyond key to making our midfield tick because, you know, he's here for the long term. He's here to stay. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder that perhaps Arteta is trying to get more out of him at the moment because of just the deficiencies in the team. And perhaps he's just asking him to do more than he can actually do. Um, but yeah, you're right, Ross, that if we, if we took him out, we would really notice yeah. the difference. Um, so, yeah, keep the faith in party, I say. All right, so just shortly then before we go, I mean, I know it's a bit of a non-match, which <laughs> no one really cares about, as shown by the fact we're playing in that bloody 7 Four losses all season, four games and four losses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hate that slot. Um, but, yeah, uh, Mac. What are you uh, expecting against uh, Sheffield United this weekend? Um, let's think. So Odegaard, he says, is going to miss one or two games. Um, I'm just kind of talking team news generally. I think Alba is going to start up front after this last game, especially because Sheffield United have gone from one of the best defensive teams in the league to a team that just leaks like a sieve. Um, I think, I hope Pablo Mari returns. So I'll just go through it. Leno obviously will start. I think he will likely, um, Tierney will still be injured, so it'll be Bellerin and Cedric right and left, unless he starts Chambers again, which he, I think, definitely could. Um, mm. I would like to see... I think he will. Yeah. Uh, so Callum Chambers then. I would like to see Holding and Mari. Um, I think it's likely... I also think Gabriel might start, because he's trying to really establish Gabriel in a solid run of form and get him confident again, which I have a lot of time for. Um, the midfield, if Xhaka and Party are healthy, Xhaka and Party will start. Uh, Smith wrote number 10, and God, please, Pepe at left wing. Um, and yeah, and then right wing, you know, realistically, I'd like to see Reese Nelson. I know it will never happen, uh, but no, no, not, not even a chance. So just, you know, out of pocket, I'm going to assume Saka will start. Although, you know, I'm not sure whether I'd like to see him rest considering his current level of kind of niggles and recent energy. You know, injuries and the fact that we do have a very important game coming up next Thursday. So, yeah. 
And then striker? Oh, uh, Aubameyang, without a doubt. Yeah. <laughs> nice one. Not even a question. Any dis- any disagreements with that 11, Ross? I mean, I, I would, I would, if, he, if he's fit, I'd play Chambers. Um, but I, I, don't, I don't know if he is because he wasn't, he wasn't in the squad, squad yesterday. He didn't train the day before. and We haven't heard anything yet, so I'm not sure what the situation with, with, his, with him is. Well, that's um, a strange one. But I would, I would, I would definitely start Chambers. I wouldn't really change much. I mean, it's tough because the, the, this game, the, the, the complexion of this game has changed now. Because if we'd have got, if we'd have got the, if we'd have got the advantage in the first leg, and we come into this one, you know, there's a bit, there's a bit more, bit more freedom now. It is, it is imperative that we win this game comfortably, in my mind, because if we, if, we, if, we're, if we're scraping a one nil, two one what have you, at Sheffield United, you know, the, one of the worst teams in Premier League history, before we're going over to Prague to try and battle our way back from a 1-1 home draw, um, I don't really stand our chances. And, and it's tough because, well, do you, do you, do you, the, the players we have, as bad as inconsistent as they are, are good enough to beat Sheffield United in, in, in any variation. That's that, that they, sh- they should be, they are. Mm. But then it's like, well, so do you, do you play William, do you play... You know some of the more fringe op- fringe options, and then you bring on Saka and what have you in the sixtieth, or do you start with this with you know your Sakas and your Smith Rose, and then hopefully have the game tied up and bring him off? Um, it's an instinct diamond. I mean, I I think we have to go, I think we have to go strong. I think we have to beat them. And I think we have to beat them comfortably because we have to bring something going into Slavia Prague. Um, and I wouldn't really change much with the lineup. Yeah, as we talked about with this sort of perhaps not a happy camp I think a big win could do a lot just you know scoring three or four goals hopefully conceding no goals it, it would just do the world of good for a camp which which isn't as happy as it was a few weeks ago that that's blatantly obvious um mm-hmm. and I know that Sheffield United are a poor side uh but even so I, I just think a big Premier League win would do everyone the world of good um so yeah uh th- I think that's all we really need to say on, on Sheffield United. Um, so I'm going to give Mac a bit, uh, sorry, uh, Ross a bit of time to think and head to, to Mac first. What, what's your spotlight this week, Mac? Um, I'm torn between two, to be honest. So in classic form, I'll say both. Um, <laughs> I think my first one is a player for a team that we might, unfortunately, if we get to Slavia, be facing in the next round, which is former manager Unai Emery's Villarreal. And it's Jared Moreno. Um, in my opinion, one of the currently most underrated players in the entirety of Europe. Um, I think if I had to pick a one and a two, it would be him and then probably Joswick. Because even though he is very highly rated, I think he needs more of it. Honestly, he's just a very good player. But yeah, uh, Moreno's been putting up the numbers for VRL this season across all competitions. Um He's been playing a lot at striker, which has been interesting because he's been a right mid in the past couple of years, very, very heavily in their system. Uh, but Emery's, you know, he's really getting the best out of him. Uh, and Villarreal generally are a joy to watch, um, not to mention. Don't say that. I'm. <laughs> it's, it's, it's my personal superstition. I'll hype him up as much yeah. as I possibly can so that, you know, when they eventually do fall, it'll be all the sweeter. But um yeah, I just think it sucks that we have to play them. It sucks that it's a former manager, but you know, I will give credit where um, where credit is due. I think my second spotlight has to be on a similar line, just the La Liga title race generally. Um, oh, so exciting! Isn't about it? two months ago, Atleti were eleven points clear with two games in hand, and a lot of people said, "Oh, they've got this in the bag." Two months later, they are ahead by a point. 
um, with Barcelona no one Thomas, behind them. No party. No, sir. Mm. Uh, with yeah, Barcelona have lost a single game this year. I think no, the only team in the top Not five leagues have lost a single game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're doing what we did last year. Um, but no, so oh, it's yeah. yeah, when we were like the only team from it was us and Bayern, I think. Um, but yeah, so literally they have you know it's Barcelona one point behind Real Madrid, two points behind, and it's the Clasico this weekend. Um, it's going to be absolutely batshit. Um, I think Atleti play Betis and that's always an interesting rivalry just because, you know, every La Liga team kind of has a, you know, they model themselves off of either Real Madrid or Barcelona almost inherently, except for Betis who just decided, you know what? No, we want to be a lot like Atletico Madrid in the way we run things and kind of our fan base functions and just the way we hold ourselves in standing. Um, you know, there are team that have there are two teams that have an understanding, but there are two teams that also just tend to have absolutely wild games. It's red cards, mm. it's chippy, it's frenetic. I'm gonna try to watch both of those ties if I can. Um, but if you have access to La Liga in any function, just watch till the end of the season. It's going to be mental. Yeah. Those are my spotlights. Yeah, nice one. You got anything to offer us, Ross? I'll tell, you, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you my spotlight, um, the PSG Bayern game, just oh, because yeah. it was just one of the most wonderful games of football I've watched in a very, very long time. I, I There's not been a lot of joy for us to have um, watching football this season, but that is just like, you know, it's just, it's just a different grave, isn't it? I mean, you, know, you, know, you watch how I drab crap Europa League game yeah. last night and then you look at the comparison in quality to that with um what was just it was just pulsating it was just wonderful I mean like Bayern was things Bayern were excellent they were so good yeah. and they still lost 3-2 um Josh I, I Kimmich it, was ridiculous Josh Kimmich is the best complete football player on the planet um which probably means he's probably the best he's the most complete player on the planet I I will die on that sword um no I think it's funny I think Lekeep said uh, oh, it was a miracle that Paris Saint-Germain won. What the fuck is a miracle when you've got Kylian Mbappe, Neymar, yeah. um, and you've got hundreds of millions of pounds worth of talent just in your front line alone? It's not a miracle. But no, I just thought it was a great game. I thought it was, it was magnificent counter-attacking football. I thought it was glorious entertainment in the snow as well in April in Munich. You know, I know we say this a lot, but you know, you, you think about a game that should have fans. God, I would love to have seen some fans in that game. It deserved, it deserved supporters. It's a wonderful game of football. It was almost it was almost West Brom Arsenal esque. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. Oh, I just really yeah, I, I was glued. I was glued. I, I, I haven't been that glued to the yeah. to, to games I have that season. It was just brilliant. Oh, was I'm looking forward to the return leg. The return leg is going to be so good because yeah. it is open to anything. That like, it could easily be three two to Bayern. It could easily be three nil to Bayern. It could be two nil PSG. Who knows? I think it'll be a great game. Yeah, I think I tweeted out yeah, on I the agree. day as well. I tweeted like, "There's nothing I want to see more than Bayern and City play now." Yeah, like, P- PSG City would be great, but City would win. They're very good at suppressing opponents, even if that opponent does happen to have a very fast counter-attacking striker. Um, you know, but I think City Bayern is just it would be a game for the ages. I mean, Bayern racked up f- over four xG on the night. I think it was like yeah. it was what one to, one two Bayern PSG with like four point oh two expected goals versus like zero point seven nine expect it was ridiculous. 
Um, Brilliant. Kingsley Coman did not stop. He literally he he ran his man yeah, every it, not without success. No, it wasn't always successful, but he, he he took his man on every single time. It was just oh, brilliant. It was everything you could want. Marquinhos was on the pitch for twenty eight minutes. He had like he made like four clearances. So like Ted Tackle scored a goal and he only played twenty eight minutes. So. And the way he took that goal, oh, yeah, it was stunning. So so black is that esque. That was a great. Game. Oh yeah, it was, it was a great game. Honestly, I, I think the Champions League games are all brilliant. I mean, the Porto Chelsea ones is yeah. dead in, dead in the water. Um, I, I I don't think Dortmund are out of it at all. I really don't. They were I mean, oh that disallowed. They were robbed. Oh, that's disgusting. But that, uh, no, I, think, I don't think they're. I don't think they're out of it. I think. Oh, I think. It's, I think. I think it's. I think it's between. I think whoever wins between Bayern and PSG actually. Funnily enough. Yeah, I think that's my pick. Although, and yeah, just yeah. to to cut you off, Rob, I know your spotlight's going to be fantastic. I did remember one more thing. We've discussed both of these teams in the last two minutes. Can we discuss the fact that West Brom are just world beaters when it comes to Chelsea and to only Chelsea? They've been <laughs> shit consistently wow. for the entire season. Eight goals against them. Eight goals against Chelsea over two matches. Yeah. Callum Robinson has five Premier League goals, all yeah, of which are scored against Chelsea. He only scores against like, Chelsea. I don't know yeah. what it is, but man, if West Brom stay up, which is looking increasingly unlikely, but if they stay yeah. up, I just I will be tuning into every West Brom Chelsea game for as long as I possibly can. <laughs> all right, Rob, I've held you long enough. Your spotlight. Yeah, well, I was, uh, before I, I say my, I, I really value what you guys are saying about the Champions League. I don't know about you, but it just feels like a different sport sometimes. Yeah, it's it's just just so exciting. Uh, the disparity between and, what we go through, well, at least what we got through this season, anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, my spotlight, I've probably spotlighted them before just because I love them. Uh, but the system that Brighton are playing at the moment is so cool with the inverted wing backs and the split strikers. It, it, it just It's a treat to watch. Um, so I'm not sure who they're playing this weekend, but do check I them out. I think they're playing uh, someone good, uh, <laughs> if, if I remember correctly. Huh? Yeah. I can't remember. Because they played United last week, didn't mm. they? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Brighton play oh, Everton. Oh, they've yeah. got Everton at yeah. home. Oh, it's a no, Monday match game. as well. Uh, so, yeah, MNF. But yeah, do check that out uh, because they're they're playing a really exciting sort of system at the moment. Um, big fan of Graham Potter. Um, so, regardless, uh, this has been the seventh instalment of the Extra Cannon podcast. Uh, Ross, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, and Mac, good to speak to you as always. Yeah, no, very excited to be here again. Good to be back next week. Ross, thank you so much for being here. It was a pleasure to have you on, mate, and we'd love to have you again. No, I appreciate it. I wish it could be in slightly less somber circumstances, but th- yeah. <laughs> thank yeah. you nonetheless. Next time we win 6-0, I'll we'll get you on. Also, I'll slip you that yeah. fire, Boom. mate. Deal. <laughs> right. Deal. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, So as I said, this has been the seventh installment of the Extra Cannon podcast. Thanks for listening and see you next week.